This is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. What do you do when you're up against the wall? You've got nowhere to turn, no one to help you. You're facing unbearable, impossible circumstances, and you have nobody to talk to. You're fearful and nervous. You wonder about the future. What are you going to do? Well, Nehemiah was a man just like us, and he lived under the crushing weight of unbearable circumstances. He was confronted time and time again with complex problems, and instead of giving up, he looked up and he put his trust and confidence in God and began to pour out his his heart to God in prayer. Nehemiah is an Old Testament leader who was living in exile in Babylon. He served in the court of the Persian king Artaxerxes I. His position as cupbearer to the king was an important position and a position of influence. At each meal, it was his job to test the king's wine to ensure that someone hadn't slipped poison into it. Because he had that kind of close access to the king, the cupbearer was a man of influence. Nehemiah was a Jewish patriot living in exile, but he was also a Persian statesman at the same time. When he heard that the walls of his beloved city, the city of Jerusalem, had been broken down and the gates had been burned with fire, he was devastated. We read again verses 3 and 4, the verses that Sonia read for us just moments ago. Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 3, they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. See, Jerusalem was the the spiritual and political center of Judah. Without walls, the city wasn't really a city at all. And the residents of the city of Jerusalem felt defenseless and, and, and exposed to their enemies. I'm sure that you've had uh, similar feelings. M- maybe the circumstances were different, but the feelings of despair and hopelessness were the same. This COVID-19 uh, pandemic and the lockdown has uh, certainly added to, to, the, to the fact that life is difficult. So prompted by God... Nehemiah responds to the overwhelming obstacle of despair. How? By dropping to his knees in prayer. And the very first movement of this symphony of overcoming prayer is reverence. Reverence. Notice the opening line of Nehemiah's prayer in verse 5. O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love, with those who love him and keep his commandments. So, so he begins slowly with admiration and worship. He begins with reverence. Just a few weeks ago, I, I read an article about the final salute. When soldiers salute their fallen um, colleagues, they do so with a very slow salute. 
apparently it requires a three-second raising of the hand to the head, and then a three-second hold, and then three seconds of lowering uh, the hand to one side. It's a, it's a gesture of respect that takes about nine times longer than normal. But one officer said, a salute to your fallen troops ought to take time. And so it is with our worship of God. God is worthy of our time. He's worthy of our praise and worship. He's worthy of our reverence. The, the God who sent His one and only Son is worthy of our time. And so we should take time, uh, even today, in, in bringing adoration and praise and worship before Him. Furthermore, we see persistence in this prayer of Nehemiah. The wall of Jerusalem had been broken down. It was in shambles and the city was in disgrace. Nehemiah is in, is in Babylon. He's 800 miles away. And there are no planes, trains, or automobiles to get him to Jerusalem, his beloved city, quickly. He might as well have been halfway around the world to be 800 miles away from Jerusalem. But he doesn't just throw up his hands and quit. No, sir. Instead, in verse 4, he, he writes, As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. That's persistence. He really meant business with God in those moments of prayer. Verse 6, he says to God, Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel. Day and night is probably hyperbole, but it points to a very high level of persistence that very few of us have uh, experienced yet. Jesus rose before dawn to pray. Martin Luther prayed for three hours a day. John Wesley thought that God would do nothing except in response to prayer. These men knew what it, what it means to pray day and night, to be persistent in prayer, and so does Nehemiah. The story in the movie called Anne of Green Gables features a young girl named Anne Shirley, so many of us have seen that movie. Uh, she's an orphan child who, who's beginning to lose hope that she'll ever be placed with the family of her dreams. But one day, Anne Shirley receives some good news, that she's being placed in a home. She's going to be living with Marilla and Matthew Cuthbert, an, an older brother and sister who wanted to take in an orphan from the orphanage. And it, this all takes place in a beautiful, mystical place called Green Gables. It appears that Anne's dreams are, are finally coming through. She's going to get a family to live with. But there's one problem. Marilla and Matthew specifically asked the orphanage for a boy. They didn't want a girl. They wanted a boy. And so Marilla is quite determined that she's going to send Anne Shirley back to the orphanage. Anne, of course, is devastated. And she would do anything. I mean anything. Even pray about the situation. And it's something that she knows absolutely nothing about. She doesn't have a clue what it means to pray. But she prays out loud, a rather amusing prayer, with Marilla standing in the room. She prays, please, please, let me stay at Green Gables forever. And please, 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 make me good looking when I grow up. <laughs> now, that's a prayer that I should have prayed more often. 
please make me good looking. Oh, please, please, please. That kind of persistent, prevailing prayer is the kind of prayer that defeats despair. That, that business deal, that school exam, that new job, those new relationships, they all need to be bathed in unrelenting, persistent prayer. Nehemiah overcomes the anguish of the circumstances when he steps out and prays with all his heart. And so could we. So could we. Reverence, persistence, and now confession. Notice the text in the middle of verse 6 where Nehemiah says, I confess the sins we Israelites including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. So after hearing about the trouble in Jerusalem, Nehemiah doesn't pray down fire from heaven. He doesn't pray that God would destroy those who broke down the walls. Instead, he prays that God would forgive the people of Israel. That he would forgive his people and rescue his people from their own rebellion against him. After all, it was their sins that had moved God to to send the Babylonians to Jerusalem and to take his people into captivity in the first place. Nehemiah knows that Israel has been disobedient. He he confesses that openly. But I find it so interesting that, that he also acknowledges that he is part of the problem. I confess the sins, my sins, he says, and the sins of my father's family. He takes it very personally and injects himself into the history of his people. We've all committed sins against God. We're, We're all to blame for the sins that we have committed against the Lord. And 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 1 John 1 9, if we confess our sins. God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You're feeling anxious, feeling miserable, feeling hopeless. Maybe it's time to talk with God. And maybe it's time for some confession as well. Make sure your your heart, your mind, your soul are cleaned up in the presence of God. The next component in Nehemiah's masterpiece of prayer, we're going to call promise. Promise. Beginning with verse 8, Nehemiah reminds the Lord of the promises that he has made to the children of Israel. He says in verse 8, Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands... Then, even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. You know, sometimes I'm just not sure what to to pray for or or how to pray effectively, and and maybe you experience the same thing. And so what I do is I, I, I take God's word and I pray it back to Him. I I take the promises of God and remind him of the promises that that he's made along the way. It's a good way to pray. I commend it to you. (laughs) 
like, like, like uh, 2 Chronicles 7.14. Lord, remember when you said, uh, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Lord, you remember when you said that? Well, Lord, please do that now. We, we need, our, our land needs healing. We need healing in, in Windsor, Essex. We need healing across our nation of Canada. Lord, remember your promise. And of course, we, we need to do the first part of that verse, don't we? We need to uh, humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways. But his promise is, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. And, and Lord, re remember when you said in Psalm 32, 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. Remember that? I, I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Oh, Lord, I really need that right now. We, we really need your counsel. So, so please, Lord, come. Counsel your people. Show us your ways and we will walk in them. Folks, the pandemic may be driving you, you crazy. But, but you should never doubt in the dark what you know to be true in the light. You, you should never doubt in these dark days of the pandemic what, you, what God has shown you to be true and right in His Word uh, pre-COVID-19. Don't doubt in the dark what, what you know to be true in the light. The promises of God are still valid and valuable in the midst of this pandemic. And Nehemiah shows us how we can claim these promises and, and use them in prayer to acknowledge the goodness and, and, and grace of God. There's one more element to this prayer that we need to explore. It's what I like to call action. It's the action element of, of Nehemiah's prayer. I'm looking again at verse 11. Nehemiah is praying, O oh Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, the king. Nehemiah was in a real jam. He's, he's 800 miles away from the target of his prayers. 800 miles away from, from Jerusalem, the, the walls are broken down, the, the, the gates have been burned with fire, and his, his fellow citizens are living in shame. Terrible circumstances. But at the, end of, at the end of his prayer, he says, give your servant success today. It's time for action. Today is the day. It's time to do something. We need to get up off our knees and... and, and and get busy for God. Get to work. <laughs> well, last time I checked, we're in a bit of a jam too. Our beloved city is locked down because of this pandemic. And our Sunday morning services are limited to 10 people each. But that doesn't mean we just give up. That doesn't mean we just throw in the towel. There must be, there must be something we can do. There must be something we can do. We can make phone calls to encourage people who are locked up at home. We can uh, uh, drop off a meal on, on somebody's doorstep to, to, to help them out. We can write cards to our neighbors and, and mail them. And let the post office deliver them. 
I mean, a few days ago, Patty and I decided that we had to do something. We wanted to reach out to some of the families on, on the block where we live. And so we took each of them a, a little gift and a card and had the privilege of writing some notes in the card to hopefully put the gospel on display even in their homes. It was time to do something so that we could show the love of God to our new friends in our new neighborhood. And a few days ago, our elders here at the church wrote a, a letter to the medical officer of health for the Windsor-Essex Health Unit, which I delivered personally to Dr. Ahmed to say that we are praying for him by name and trusting that God will use him in the days ahead. We just wanted him to know. We wanted him to know that, that we're praying for him and for his staff. We had to do something. We just had to do something to put our prayers for the city into action. We've been praying about this pandemic and, and the needs that surround us, but folks, it's time for action again. It's time to do something again. After you pray, you've got you to get to work. You, you can't just you know, sit and, and write stuff on Facebook or Instagram or whatever social media platform. that you get. That's easy to do. Now we've got to get to work. We've got to do something else to help people. After you pray, you've got to get to work. The battle will not win itself. So let's not waste this virus. We've got to do something. Easter came early back in 2007. As you know, the, the date for Easter can vary from year to year, from year to year. And in 2007, it, it was early. But it was just in time for Scott Darby. For on that day, at the end of the worship service, 28-year-old Scott decided that it was time. Uh, he hadn't told his family. He hadn't told any of his friends. But that day, at the end of the service, he walked down the aisle uh, to the front of the stage and knelt there and gave his heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. He simply said, it's time. Scott was seizing the moment. And just a few days later, he was dead. He died suddenly and without any notice. Friends, it's time. It's time for action. We've got to do something. We want to engage in the work of God in our community and in our church. God is at work in your life. How are you going to live that out in your community these days? In the beginning uh, days of 2021, we've got to do something. 2021 is here. It's time to pray. Yes, and it's also time to engage. It's time to get to work. It's time for some action. What's it going to be? What is God calling you to do? You've got to do something. So let's pray together over that. Would you join me, please? Dear Heavenly Father, Christmas and New Year's Day are now behind us. And we're so grateful, so thankful that Jesus actually came into this world to rescue us. Lord Jesus, you came into a broken world full of broken people. You came to be our Savior, not our concierge. You came to serve, not to be served. Oh God, may we press into this new year fully surrendered to the work of your Spirit, grateful for the riches of the gospel, loving Jesus and longing for his return 
and doing something. Something to put the gospel on display for our friends and family and those who live in our community. Lord, we want to seize the moments. It's time. It's time for the gospel of grace to shine in our city for your glory and for the good of your people. Oh, Lord, show us what we should do to make it happen. We pray this in the wonderful and merciful name of our our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.